This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 699, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. I'm a legionnaire, camel in disrepair, hoping for a frigidaire to come passing by. I am on reprieve, lacking my joie de vivre, missing my gapery in this desert. 
Hello, welcome to my fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 699. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I am here with Josh Lanigan. I am also here with me and you. I'm here with, with allergies, with lack of sleep. It's early again after our brief respite last week doing the show at a normal human time. And so we're back to normal for one week until it goes abnormal again next week. We are a fanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book called The Pick of the Week. We'll talk about that book. It's just a device. It's just a device to start the show. That's all it is. Other books from the week, the, pi- the patron pick, we're, uh, we'll probably do some listener mail, even though we're about to do a whole truckload of it next week. And uh, it'll be fun. And here's a spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be spoilers. Use the show notes. Utilize them. It's a tool. We don't do them for our health. No. If anything... Actually, I've gotten pretty streamlined with them. I used yeah, to do it all. Once we got rid of the descriptions, that's that's. Yeah, but that I made... used to do it all after, like I'd Me do too. the show, and now I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Do it concurrently. So I just take the script, I write down all the things, and then as I'm going, I note the time. That's that was also a realization I came to a few years ago, which is mm-hmm. which is stupid considering when you look at it. But <laughs> I used to all do the whole edit and then go back to the show notes, and now I'm like, why don't I just note the time <laughs> while I'm doing the edit? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? It only took us over a decade to figure that out. <laughs> uh, like you think you're really smart, and then you realize you go, "Well, this was dumb," and I have been, <laughs> I have been dumb for a very long time, huh? And that is a re- that is a realization of age. That's one of those things where you go, "Oh, I'm an idiot." I see. <laughs> so other people that 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 I think are idiots are the same as me. Yeah, we're, we're all I'm idiots together idiot. in this this blue marble hurtling through space. At an unreasonable speed. This week, For Josh now. had the pick, and I think I think it's safe to say that everyone is surprised. Really? Yeah. So For, late for last two night, reasons. Okay. I'll tell you after you've done your little intro. That's fine. So late last night, we record on a Friday, so Thursday night is sort of the end of the time that we have to read, make our selections. Connor, uh, he's like, you, you got a pick yet? And I, I was like, oh. Well, I was going to go to bed. I wanted, yeah, no, no, I it's, to send you my my additions to the script before yeah. I go to bed. It was it's a reasonable question, and the reason that I hadn't had a pick is because it just like it, it hadn't occurred to me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like as I was reading, I didn't really have something that, and I and I decided to go back and look, and I was like, well, wait, what did I have fun with? And so I picked uh, Legion of Superheroes Millennial Millennium. Millennium. Millennial. We can't get away from millennials. Um, <laughs> millennium, number one. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually, there's a couple of reasons. One, there's a lot of art in it that I liked a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Even 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 the the Jim Lee art was 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 pretty good as far as Jim Lee art goes for me. Um, and mostly, like I I found this character Rose. Rose, whatever her Rose and Thorn, yeah. Rose and Thorn. Thorn. Um, Thor, I wanted to say Briar, but that's um, that's Bone. Um, oh, I was gonna say Paples. Uh, oh yeah, no, that too. Isn't there's, there's Grandma? Ro- I forget. That doesn't matter. Um, someone will know when they write in. Uh, and I, I, I liked her. She showed up a little in. I wanted to say, was it action? Probably. She's she's a, she's a you know Superman DC person. See, I'd never heard of her before. And I really liked the presentation of her here in this and the way that Bendis was writing her. I liked, you know, uh, 
Supergirl sort of in the presidential role at the beginning. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I haven't, and I've never really read much Legion. I've just looked at it and said, I don't want to read that. So in a way, it's new. And it's the same thing. So the the Rose Thorn thing, she's kind of new to me. And I really enjoyed sort of the storyline of her it kind of fallen apart, really. Like, she's like, I've been on these meds. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to go back to how I was. Also, it turns Well, that out was really great. But before we get in mm-hmm. deep into that, so number one, you still really haven't read much Legion because there isn't hardly any Legion in this book. No, and also, <laughs> I recognize that, too. And I think that I was expect. I almost didn't read it. And I was expecting yeah. one thing. And then I started reading it. And at the end, I went, hey, wait, that wasn't a Legion book. And I was fine with that. Actually, I don't think there is any Legion in this book. There is. Uh, at the end... Like she goes into the center oh, that's uh, right, yeah. where there's the, the, I don't know. I kept thinking it was a robot, but I, I don't know if it's just a, uh, very happy person. dude. Yeah. I, 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 that that says a, a lot about you, Josh. Mm-hmm. Who is this happy <laughs> robot? <laughs> um, I, that was a great scene though. It was a great. So the, the, the surprise here, as you mentioned, is number one, you picked a Legion of Superheroes book, which is a, a corner of the comics world. Traditionally, we have not spent a lot of time, especially you. And then number two is that even though there's there's like three stories or four stories and each one has a different art, four stories, each one has three, four, each one has a different artist. Uh, the main one is Jim Lee, and you you you're you're widely not a Jim Lee fan, although I agree with you. I think this is some good Jim Lee here. Mm-hmm. It's mostly people just talking. There's a couple of uh, double page action the, spreads, but mostly no, the, yeah, just the splash Supergirl and Rose yeah. talking. The splash pages are useless, but the actual ones where he does storytelling and facial acting and everything, I really like the design of President Space Girl, or Supergirl, by the way. That's great. She's got a little jacket. Like, it makes sense here. Doesn't make sense in our time, but futuristically, go for it. Put all the collars on you want. Yeah, she looks good. Yeah, so so there was that. Um, And then by the time I got to the Commandy section, which was... I hate saying it that way. Commandy, Commandy, whatever. Commandy. Uh, I got to his section, you know, that was that was drawn by, um, sorry, on, um, sorry, Andreas uh, Sorrentino, who yep. just was like, I'm going to Kirby this motherfucker out. And I was like, oh, that's really cool and fun. Um, and then the, the final brow. Yeah, no, it was it was straight up like it, it was good. It was like homage, but not imitation. Yes, I think sure. um, it was just using those figures and it's still recognizable as Andrea Sorrentino, who I believe we both believe is quite talented. Yes, and then yes. that last bit, I don't know, I liked I liked the whole bit with um, Batman Beyond guy and that conversation. I liked the commodity stuff. There's a the, that sequence where he she cuts the dude's head off. That was a great sequence. Just it, like the apes. page turn on it. I don't know. And then and then the stuff, you know, in the future. Where, you know, she's at the desk and she's trying to get attention and, and he's really nice. He, he likes her. He's like, I know this is going to be, but I, I like you. I really appreciate you. And, you know, it turns into a, a little little chase sequence. Um, I thought that was really drawn well. Well, Andre by, uh, Lima Araujo is terrific also. Um, yeah, and we he's come up a bunch uh, recently. So, the future of DC is confusing. We'll just say it. Confusing. Like, there's a lot of different stories that take place in the future. There's a Legion of Superheroes. There's Commandi. There's Batman Beyond. And as far as I've been aware, they've mostly been separate. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how it falls in a timeline. The, the Legion, I would assume, is after Commandi, but he's the last boy on Earth. I don't I don't know. But um, here, I guess there's an attempt to make sense of it using the character of Rose and Thorn, who is revealed to be some sort of immortal. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned briefly before I cut you off, I really like the idea that 
her specific medication that keeps her sane and therefore not turning into the psychopathic thorn, she's basically Jekyll and Hyde, is no longer available because they're able to fix that genetic um, mutation in birth or in 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 vitro. So why make the medicine? So she – but she's immortal and she only has a little bit of it left. And that was an interesting sort of uh, ticking clock you know, it's like yeah. a t- it's like a bomb waiting to go off. So when is she going to turn into Thorn again? That's, a, that was fun. That's one of a lot of really fun little sci-fi ideas that were in here. And and again, like we've, it feels it feels like a broken record. But you know, Bendis keeps doing things that I feel like he couldn't f- figure out how to fit into his Marvel work. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing new things out of the guy, and, and it, it's really refreshing because you're like, oh yeah, we loved this dude's work for a long time. And this move to DC has been like the best thing that's happened for him creatively in forever. Yep. Um, and, and this is like just more of that. But it doesn't we, – we've always talked – like you can tell it's a Bendis book. It's just like I was talking about with the art. You can tell it's a Bendis book, but you you can see that also, oh, he's, he's giving us something else. He's stretching out. He's changing things around. And, and it's really – it's fun. Yeah, so she opens with explaining her situation to President Supergirl. Who is as fun to say as President Captain America was a couple of years ago, um, and then explains her mental health predicament, and then we flash back to her in Batman Beyond world where she mm-hmm. meets Batman Beyond and has a very confusing conversation with him because she doesn't know who he is and she thinks he's the original Batman who's immortal like her, but he's not. Then flashes back to Commandi, which would which would. Or, which would or Commandy, which would assume that Commandy is before Batman Beyond, which doesn't make any sense because Bruce Wayne's still alive in Batman Beyond world, and then flashes back further to the Legion world. It, it, it's just, I, I think I might be taking the and thens too literally, which is the you, the, the you, device to open each you're definitely uh, chapter. Paying, you're paying more attention to it than I am. I was just going for the ride, and I'm like, oh, this is fun. You you want to make sense of it, which is a fair point. I I I just well, I just because I've never really seen all these future worlds together in one story. So and I never really, you know, make your own continuity thing. I've never really thought too hard about putting them into a timeline mm-hmm. because you can't. Um, but when they're put together like this, I'm like, wait, this is a lot of really disparate, you know, future looks at DC, and I don't know how they fit together. And it may not ultimately be important, and ultimately, it does not that. It's not that big a deal. I just never seen. You know, it all put together in one place. I, I'm sure I could look it up and see where it all falls, but uh, it doesn't really matter ultimately. She's an interesting character, um, and I'm really interested to see now where it goes with issue two, and, I, and then I assume leading into a Legion series. That's what I assume is going to happen because um, this is just a two-issue miniseries. Um, but, I, you know, if, if anyone can get me to read the Legion, it would be Bendis, and we have talked about that at DC. He's only really done... Other than Event Leviathan's, you know, single character books. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who made his bones doing big team books. And so maybe Legion will be right up his alley. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find yeah. Out. I bet, you know, and, and uh, you know, traditionally Legion has been done by guys like Paul Levitz and, and, Keith, and Keith Mark Wade did it for a bit. And, you know, Mark Wade's real good, but they are traditionalists. And deep divers. Yes, that too. That's definitely the case. You know, like we know the DC history and we're going to stick it all in here. And I know that Bendis knows quite a lot of it too, but I feel like he's going to break that mold a little bit and bring something of what I like to something which I've traditionally not connected with. And that can be interesting. You know, really, the thing about this to me was that, uh, you know, I know 
these properties, but I don't know a lot about them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was it was fun. It was like, oh, good, there's a new corner that we can shine a light on. It's like finding a little era of music that you hadn't listened to, but you know, you'd heard of and you really liked it. You know, so it's true. I mean, the, the chances that you're going to be like become like a huge Legion fan and go back and read all the yeah. books are really low. But at least it's a very um, plentiful and fertile area of comics that neither one of us. I, I'm not. I've hardly mm-hmm. read any Legion comics, so that's yeah. ex- as exciting for me too. I mean, I like them as a concept. I like them. When they show up in a, in a story I'm reading, and I liked those, you know, Jeff Johns, you know, Action Comics Legion stories, and I liked them when they show up in an event because usually, you know, shit's going down, but mm-hmm. uh, or they show up to go, it's all okay, and they leave. But I don't really know much about them, so it'll be it'll be fun to to sort of, you know, dip into this for a bit. I think. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely the case, and uh, you know, in in that way, I, I don't find the pick terribly surprising in that. It was a fun comic. And, then, you know, the other side of it being, like, there were a lot of good books. There were a lot of things that I wanted to talk about this week, but I, there wasn't really anything that I was like, this was amazing. It stood out. Mm-hmm. There was always, like, that oh, was pretty good. It wasn't the best. Um, and at, at the end of it, I think the uh, novelty of this for me uh, mm-hmm. was, was attractive. Because, you know, we read a lot of comics. So when there's anything that gives you a special feeling, you note it down. I mean, I didn't, I didn't make an official pick in my head for myself. There were a lot of interesting books to talk about. I really enjoyed Fantastic Four, 14, Dan Slott, Paco Medina, the start of a new arc. If you have been, you know, thinking about jumping on a Fantastic Four, this, this would be a great place to do it. Um, I thought this was, this was terrific. And I, I've been saying that much like his run on Silver Surfer, this is a, I think this is a perfect corner of the Marvel Universe for Dan Slott's type of writing to live. I mean, this is the only Dan Slott thing that I have ever read and enjoyed and have stuck with for 14 issues. Mm-hmm. And that that says something. So if you're at all like me and you've been like, ah, like, you know, and you've really wanted to read a Fantastic Four, this works. You know, mm-hmm. you're right. Like, he's a great fit. Um, the art has been really good throughout. Um, it's not just been sort of one person, but like the Paco Medina art. And this was super fun. Somebody on the Instagram said it sort of had a Mike Ringo feel. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it does. That's really, yeah. that's a really good one. And then this issue, this was probably my runner up. Yeah, for sure. Um and this is quintessential Fantastic Four. Totally. And and also, they're just saying, you know what? Forget the kids. Forget everything. We're going to build. Our- <laughs> I really, I liked that. There was a couple of choices in here that don't necessarily make sense, but I loved them, which mm-hmm. was uh, one, all the early Fantastic Four stuff appeared to take place in the early 60s. Well, that was the only thing I, 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 I cocked my eyebrow while reading was I, the flashback I, to them in college. Mm-hmm. I Which, wanted it. I, I was fine with it. I was like, it doesn't make sense. I don't care. That's where I want no, to see No, I'm them. fine with the fashions. Mm-hmm. It's just Reed shouldn't have the temp, the great temples in college. Mm-hmm. And Sue, even though she had the like the beehive, not beehive, but like sort of the Jackie Kennedy haircut, uh, they made her face look older. Which was w- weird considering she looked so young in you know the rest of the story. So I just thought it was a strange choice to make her and Reed appear like they were old in college and then we flash to them now and they look younger than they did in the flashback it's just a strange archer that was the only and that's literally two panels in this whole book it was the only time i was like oh that's that's weird but uh otherwise it's a terrific story of reed rebuilding the original rocket that they flew to space and then you know deciding they had that they had to complete that mission because they never completed it because they got zapped by the cosmic rays and turned the fantastic four so uh they're rebuilding a better version that has the proper shielding this time 
yeah. and are going to go go into space. And, and I also I love like the beginning the, where they're opening the the Fantasy exhibit, the Aerospace Museum mm-hmm. in DC. That was a nice touch. Yeah, and like, and Reed was sort of like, huh? He's just looking at his rocket, and I, I liked how it was a, you know, a, a, a neo futuristic space age rocket design. It wasn't redesigned for. They just were like, this is what the Fantastic Four is, and and we're going to do it this way, you know. And then you had sort of the classic. Ben Grimm, you know, is like, I'm not doing that again. Because he's, he's, you know, it went bad for him the first time. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I like the, there's just lots of little touches in here that were really fun. Uh, you know, Sue wakes up and, and Reed is on the bed and he's, he's you know, his mind's going. He can't not do it. Um, it, it was just, yeah, it was a lot of that. And then Ben, you know, on the other side being like, oh, you made a special chair for me. <laughs> and feeling the warm fuzzies and like having to be reminded for the thousandth time, like they oh, they care about him and love him, um, you know. And he's still got that uh, splint on his arm from the from the Hulk fight that he had to go through. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love the thing you know, rocket little- launch in Lower Manhattan. We're <laughs> <laughs> gonna blow out a lot of windows. Um, yeah. I lo- you know I love little things like Reed and Johnny building it without their superpowers, you know, like they did in the ri- originally and yeah. That was, you know, just little touches. Um, it was funny in the beginning when we we open in there the Air and Space Museum, and there's a tour going through, and they they walk up to the Fantastic Four family unveiling their exhibit. There's like nobody around. <laughs> like who were they? <laughs> were they just standing there waiting for people to show up? It's like just a lot of book a, signings. But it's just like there was no crowd. There was no like media. It was just like they were just waiting for this tour group to show up. But um, I love the idea that of Reed as an engineer who just loves his ship, like he, the beautiful lines. You know, he's just sort of like he loves that ship. It's his first one. Well, I was, and that was, was a really great. I was just watching. Um, I'm still going through from the Earth to the Moon again. There's an episode. I think it's episode six where I can't. I can't remember the actor's name. It's a really. It's a character actor. You'd be like, oh, I totally recognize that guy. He's in charge mm-hmm. of the team that builds the lunar module. Um, it's a really great episode and it's all about sort of the people who are making the thing and they're on a deadline and things don't go well and whatever. And then they finally get a workable model and they, they, you know, pick it up and they, they are, you know, like the machines are taking it, you know, down to where it's going to get added onto the rocket. And the guy just sort of stands there and watches it go away, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. we got to get going. The other guy's like, he's never going to see it again because it's going to go up into space and it's going to stay there, you know, and he gave seven right. years of his life to it. It's very, it, I had just watched that and that dovetailed really nicely with sort of this bit. Um, and, you know, it is, it's the same thing. It's the space race. It's, you know, 1968, no, that was nine actually, but, you know, same period of time, that sort of Cold War, you know, sp- space race yeah. that the, the Fantastic Four comes from. Fantastic Four predated it. I mean, you're talking about the yes. early 60s. For the well, book. I mean, like it still was born out of the... the yeah, but it's, it's interesting that they... You know, mm-hmm. that was, I mean, they, they, they declared it early. Kennedy declared the space race early than the book, but the actual race didn't finish till later. No. I wonder if the flashback, the the part where Ben presses the button, he can hear the old, the cockpit recorder in the exhibit. I wonder if that's all the original dialogue, because I can't, I, my, I my Fantastic Four omnibus is not handy. That but, has to be. I was thinking as I read it, I was like, this must yeah. be, which is great. I, that was a really powerful page. Yeah. You know, if I have any criticism, um, I think it is that Alicia is a little too one-sided, supportive, do whatever you want, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, the 1950s astronaut wife, Life magazine right. sort of portrait where, 
you know. But I don't know that that doesn't fit. But it's to have her character featured so heavily, and her only role is to support this other guy. Well, on the other hand, she's ahead of Ben. Like she knows he's going before he 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 knows he's mm-hmm. going. Like, she's already making the sandwiches and the coffee in the thermos for him before he's decided to go. That's right, how well she knows him. That's true, but she has no purpose of her own other than to support him. It's it's un, it's you know it's unrealistic, I guess. I don't know. Unrealistic is a stupid thing to say about the Fantastic Four, but she's a very very featured character, and and she has no personality. When um when I was gone, Lois Lane number two came out, so I read two and three back to back this week. I love this book. I've, it's grown on me. I, the first issue I wasn't sure about. Um, this one, there were a lot of really great things about it. The 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 standout for me, and if it wasn't for the whole thing, I think maybe the best scene of the week was uh, Lois Lane walking down the street and and talking and you know starting a fight yeah. with her husband while he was not there. And Renee is like, "What the hell's going on?" And <laughs> yeah. then how they have that discussion and that doesn't turn into a fight, which is also an interesting choice. Um, that little bit was was a really wonderful bit of comic book writing. And, and that's, in contrast to Alicia, who I was just talking about, you've got Lois Lane, who does have her own needs and agenda. And, and the story of their relationship is that they have to, you know, work with that. And Clark is always learning on how to deal with her, even though he's super powerful. And I like that. Okay. And he wants to protect her, even though she may not, yes. not always need it. She needs it sometimes, but not always. And here he blows it trying to protect her because in the last issue someone got a photo of them kissing so now everyone thinks they're having an affair and that's you know i just think this is great the the i think the old it's been a while since i read number one the overall story is lois is investigating the death of a russian journalist is that what it is um and she's using renee montoya as the question to help and in this issue uh the original question shows up and she's like you were dead and i was like "I, i thought you were dead so that was a fun I love the question in both incarnations, so that was a fun matchup, and then that's part of the mystery of the story. And I love the Perry, even though Perry's not in this one, he was in the second, the second one a lot. I love her, Lois and Perry. Their relationship was terrific. Um, the Mike Perkins, Mike Perkins art is uh, we just just weird enough to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a little bit of um, what's his name, the guy who drew Identity Crisis. Uh, uh, Rags Morales. Rags Morales in him on some of the facial stuff, and mm-hmm. but it's very. It's also very classic in some cases. It's it's just weird enough to to make it the book interesting mm-hmm. in term in that way. I, I I like this a lot. I think this is great. It's a totally opposite of Jimmy Olsen, the other maxi series going on, Superman. It's deadly serious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's 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 sort of Greg Rucka stuff that. You know, I really did like that scene with the two questions. It's yeah. just, well, this is awkward. But then she runs up and gives him a giant hug, which I loved. Yes, yeah, you know. exactly. Which was the same, you know, the same thing where you thought Lois and Clark were going to have a long fight, you know, and it wasn't. And which is, right. you know, that's how a good relationship should work. Yeah. Um. So I liked that. It was good. Deceased, a good way to, good day to die, number one, which is the... um. One shot, it's a one shot, right? A one shot coming out of the deceased miniseries, which I think I think caught DC by surprise, because apparently apparently it's a big hit. Good. I don't I don't pay attention to these things, but apparently it's a big hit, and uh, so this this is a 
side story where we spend some time with some of the characters that aren't in the main story, mostly Mr. Miracle and Terrific, Big Barda, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold. And John Constantine. John Constantine, that's right. And uh, the John Constantine part's drawn by Derek Robinson, which was terrific. Um, I'm, so what, what did you think of this, this issue? Um, I liked it a lot, mostly, but my big not-like part of it I bet, was, I bet you it's the same thing I didn't like. Okay, well, let's find out. Um, yeah. When uh, Barda and Scott are on um, pages, they're aping the, the Mitch and Tom book. Yes, yes. And I thought that was... Don't do that. Yeah, Don't especially so recent. Like it is, a, it is a very specific thing for a very specific book, and and honestly, Tom Taylor has enough style on his own that he does not need to do that. Yep. And I, I thought that was a. That's I, I the get worst it. thing you can do is is turn Mister Miracle and, and Big Barda into Hawkeye, in which a yes. very specific book then totally changes the character forever. It every scene with them is nine panel grids, and then Mister Terrific comes over and um, Scott brings him in a veggie, veggie plate. plate. It's like don't. Don't do this. Yeah. Don't I, I, do this. Yeah, that really I'm glad I'm glad you had that reaction too. Yeah. Um other than that. I just um, think they're 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 great characters that have been around forever. They don't need yes. to be defined by this one terrific story. As great as it was, they still are viable on their own in a in a different style. Yes, and you can also have that other book inform how you're writing them, but don't put it completely in that other style. You don't have to make a joke. I if 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 all if all that Scott Free ever does is show up and 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 you know make a reference to a veggie tray, I will never read that character again, because it will only remind me that this is not that thing, and I don't want this to be that thing. You have to let it exist on its own. It's it, uh, he's one of my favorite characters. He's always been because he was in that that Keith Given Justice League book. Yeah, uh, that's how I really came to know him as a kid, and so I just don't want him to turn to this one note joke. That's constantly just referencing back this other book. Which he was not even close to a one-note thing. Anyway, I'm going to leave that behind because one of the other things that does happen in here is that – I don't know who Laura Braga is. Um, Mm -hmm. Her pages are pretty good. It's it's good-looking stuff. Uh, I definitely had her uh, Mr. Miracle influenced by the Nick Darrington covers, I think, Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. And and Mitch's stuff, but more like that. Uh, Then you cut over to – Derek Robertson, who is beautiful, you know, like really yep. good Derek Robertson, drawing a really good Constantine. And I got very excited. That first page where he's running down the road, and it's in Liverpool, by the way, which yeah. is brilliant because that's where he's from. He is not from London, and nobody ever seems to get that right except for uh, not Americans. You know, mm-hmm. he's running from the zombies, and he's scared. And if he's scared, <laughs> if you see a dude running, that's not good. And if he's running, that's really not good. And then the next page is, you know, he jumps into the black cab, and I know, because I'm a longtime Constantine reader, that that's Chaz's cab, and he looks down on the, on, the, on the seat, and he sees his bloody, and you see the phone screen going, and you know what that means. And that right. is all, that's heartbreaking, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and, and he yep. burns him up. That was, like, and that's the thing we've talked about all through this deceased thing, is that he keeps putting in these moments of heart. Um, that really work for these characters because he understands them, and and you know, it, it was it was good. Uh, you know, all that stuff was great. The the uh, Constantine saying, you know, like, listen, we've lost, it's over, and then you're like, wow, he's really given up. That's pretty bad. And then he does the heroic return, and with him, you don't know what he's gonna do. Like, it makes sense right. to me that he would give up finally. 
Um, it you know, but he didn't. Uh, you know, and the, uh, there's then there's the time travel stuff and and all. There's a lot of really fun things in here. I liked it. Well, like I like the other. It's ones. interesting because it it seems it almost seems like this is a major plot point because the magic heroes are. Mm-hmm. You know, so, sort of have a plan to save the day, but this is this is a one shot special. So, w- w- will, will that show up in the other book or not? I don't know. But like, you know, Doc Constantine and Doctor Fate and Zatanna seem to have mm-hmm. a plan, or it may, it may not. It may just be that the, you know the plan to survive. But it, it was I, I I liked it despite my my really big reservations about how Mister Miracle and Big Barda were, yep. were were portrayed. I mean, I was really I was really yeah, the, not the, happy with that at all. You know, again, there's another relations thing where they, 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 Booster realizes he doesn't exist anymore and he does a Marty McFly brother, you know, and he he disappears and and Scott's, you know, or I'm um, sorry, Ted's court is, you know, is left to be, you know, sad without his friend. They keep doing this in this book and it works every time because he keeps finding people who have relationships that matter. It was Hal and Ollie and, and, um, and and, and and Dinah. Yeah. And Constantine and Chaz and, and Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. And, you know, Robin and Batman with Alfred and that other scene. Like, there's a lot of that. And it works. And he's not overdoing it. It's just like, here's the scene. Move along. This is what would happen in the zombie apocalypse. I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. No, no. You were absolutely <laughs> right. Um, Doomsday Clock continues to make me sad for Jeff Johns. Um, <laughs> the greatest comic book writer in the world who, who, who doesn't seem to have a home in it. Yeah, and... I mean, clearly this was – he had a plan for this book because when he started we, – we, th- we talked of this to death. But when he started writing the book and doing the book, he was in charge of creative DC. He's no longer in charge of that. Mm-hmm. So clearly he had a plan. And this was the issue – you could argue it came way too late and I think it did. But this is the issue where it really starts to dovetail with the DCU at the time he started doing this. There's a scene here that directly overlaps with – Mm-hmm. With DC Rebirth, where Wally and Barry are reunited, this is where you really start to see. Oh, this was his plan from Rebirth to Doomsday Clock was to get to this point. There's a lot of talk about, you know, the timelines being wrong and the, the lives being wrong, and you know, this is this is what we all thought we were going from that point of Rebirth, and then clearly, people in charge of DC jettisoned Johns and decided to go a different way. So it makes me sad that this is where. We all thought we were getting. It took way too long to get there. It's almost irrelevant at this point, and they keep paying lip service to it in the press. Again, you shouldn't believe most of what is said in the, in the comics press uh, in terms of interviews, but uh, for talking about this kind of thing. But you know, oh yeah, no, we still definitely consider Doomsday Clock part of it. No, you don't. No one does. Um, it, it just makes me sad to read it because this is clearly what the plan was, and I like this plan better than what they're doing otherwise. And so, um, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. I'm now However, also. It, it's a weird book. It's a very weird book. It's really, but really. I kind of like been, it. It's been really good for the last few. Yeah, issues. yeah. His, Once we got his, beyond the first couple, where we got past that weird, you know, mime and. It, the, I mean, it's the one. work stuff. It's the same thing. I, honestly, when I first read Watchmen, I was younger, but you know, like for a little while, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm reading here. And then as it coalesces, you know, and then it builds and it gets that momentum thing going, he mimicked that structure here, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I can go back now and I can read the beginning part of Watchmen and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I totally get what this is. I know. But the first time I read it, I was completely lost, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I had the benefit of also having it in a book. You know, it wasn't I didn't have to wait five months or whatever it is, you know, that it takes between these issues. Um 
because it like all the things are starting to make sense now. You know, sort of who the mind people are and why they matter, and you know the 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 Rorschach kid and what his deal is. Um, wasted pancakes, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But um, you know, I don't really want this to be continuity. You know, in a way, like I don't, I I like it as a as a as an Elseworlds in a way. Now, well, that's what that's what it is now. Yeah, no, and I'm fine with that because. I mean, I don't like because if it was the real deal, it would fundamentally alter sort of the fabric of the DC universe and, and you know, who Superman is and blah, blah. I don't want that. Like, I like this as a thing by a guy who knows these DC characters better than, you know, any sort of contempt, not any, but, you know, as well as any contemporary comic book writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a sort of, uh, I want to say like on a emotional level or, or a, like he knows thematically what they are and what they should be and you can see that throughout here i love the superman in this and the mm-hmm. sort of controversy that arose around it and they he put superman in a situation where like he had to do the right thing but everybody would hate him for it I, that's a great superman concept that d- doesn't happen and that's superman that. yeah he'll always do the right thing um i think this is incredibly interesting and mm-hmm. and fun and uh, wacky and not in like a goofy way, but like mm-hmm. it's just it's just strange, and I'm I'm really looking forward to sitting down and reading it all through. Um, my, my reservations about the beginnings aside, now once I'll know, you know 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 the score, and also my reservations about where its place in the DC universe, which is nothing. So now once that happens, you just put a big old mental Elseworld stamp on the front, and you you read it. And 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 as a you know as a Watchmen fan. I, I take no offense or have no reservations about this. And I know that that was a really big thing with Before Watchmen. And it's the same thing. If those books had been really, really good, or if they'd all been as good as Darwin's book or the book that Darwin did with um, Amanda Connor. Yep. You, you so know, if they, yeah. If, if they'd all been that good, then it would have been a lot harder to write them off. But most of them ended up being sort of forgettable. Yep. And I don't like, I don't know that... It, like th- Also, this that's... That's explaining what happened before Watchmen, which is more dangerous than explaining what happens after Watchmen, because you can always drop the after if you don't like it. Yeah, I mean, you got a TV show coming out doing the same thing. It's all none of it. It's all. It's, I mean, it's just fantasy, stories. Really, it's all just stories. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 this is really you know high quality craft, and that's all that matters to me. You know what? I bet Alfred makes fucking amazing pancakes, and to just throw them away. I bet they're more. I bet they're a little more refined than we're used to. So I bet, like at first, you wouldn't be like, "Oh man, that is immediately satisfying." You'd eat them, and it'd be pretty good. His syrup is amazing. He gets really yeah. good syrup. Clearly, he has the and best. He knows syrup. how to all the best syrups. All the best syrups. But, <laughs> but like, like afterwards, you would you'd be thinking about them. You're like, I don't know. Well, he made at least ten of them. One, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, that's a lot of pancakes, and that guy just threw them away. I mean, I would love a pancake right now. Uh, pancakes are so good. Um, I, it, Gary Frank's doing terrific work here. I realize he's part of the problem with the delay, but you know, Take I'd it. rather I'll, uh, it's, it's worth the wait. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of my favorites. It just you know, he's hardly ever doing anything because he's, he's doing stuff like this. But it's great. He's a little bit, it's a little claustrophobic with the nine panel grids mm-hmm. with his work, but that's okay. That's the job. Um, that's this job. Yeah. And, you know, it's also part of the reason why it's so slow. I mean, people need to realize is, you know, he's doing nine separate drawings per page on most pages. That's a lot of that's a lot of drawing. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it may not make sense, like, but if it's a bigger panel, you, do, you just do one drawing for that panel. So he's doing nine different, 
you know, things. It's a lot of work. And there's um, no, if you flip through this, there's no half-assing. Just like Dave Gibbons, you know, didn't. You know, there's, like, every everything is as full of whatever it needs to be full of. There's no cheating. So in 2021, we'll get uh, the final issue and we'll be able to figure out um, if this all worked or not. I don't know when the I don't know when the final issue is going to come out. So there's I one. I mean, obviously there's twelve because it's like yeah. the yeah one more. Let's take a quick break. Talk about how you can uh, help iFanboy. Many uh, people do. That's how we keep the show going. We do appreciate that. You guys are the backbone. You guys are the spine. You guys are the foundation. What other words can we use to describe them? The heart. The soul. I mean, the you know, in a lot of ways, you are you are iFanboy. We are all iFanboy, and we were all iFanboy. <laughs> the main way to do that, patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go, become a patron of the show. Uh, we thank you. We, we've hit a, a new high number of patrons, and we are getting ever closer to the next stretch goal, which is a monthly non-comics media podcast that Josh and I or some some form of our extended family of friends will do to, to uh, talk about non-comics media uh, once a month. Also, in addition to that, we will also upload all of our mini and full-length video shows that are missing from our YouTube channel. We'll re-embed them on the site, too. You'll be able to watch all those old shows from more than 10 years ago, 12 years ago. You get to see us younger, thinner, happier. Wearing shorts. Inappropriately wearing like, shorts on a like, TV like, show. Who's like, man, I'd like to see Josh's knees. Well, I got good news for you, buddy. I can tell you right where to go to make that happen. Have you ever wondered about Josh's calves? Well, mm-hmm. look no further. Um, there's a lot of shows. There, there are, a lot of them are missing. To Some be fair, there, they're, they're one of my best features. So <laughs> if you want to see that stretch goal get hit, patreon.com. We're only a couple hundred dollars away, so only a handful of you need to join up to do that. And, uh, and So uh, check that out there. Also, we got our, our t-shirt store, afanboy.thirdlist.com. The shirts we've got, afanboy logo, Herm, related to Doomsday Clock. Pickley Podcast well, rating. It is, it is no such thing. If one is electro, I'm just saying it's related sort of, you know, thematically. Spiritually. Color, color-wise. Sure. Um, if one is Electro, GDAT, and the shirt that is of our time and is, and is eternal and still our top seller, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. We, have, we had a new design. It was Comic-Con specific. We didn't get it out for Comic-Con. So we're going to push it to next year. So we'll have to come up with another shirt design that is more evergreen. But we had one that was specific for Comic-Con, and we wanted to get that out before, before Comic-Con for all those people going to Comic-Con. However... We did not make it in time for various reasons. So I also just I don't think we can beat the last one. I just <laughs> Listen, we, like... we all just need to understand it's going to be a letdown from the last shirt. It's going to be a letdown. Hundred percent. So we'll move on. We'll get another shirt out for it this year. That is my pledge to you. Fmo.com/support. That's where you can help us out directly via PayPal. If you don't want to be a patron, if you don't want to buy a T-shirt, totally cool. Fmo.com/amazon. That's where you can find the links to buy the books we talk about on our Bookslode show, as well as a general link to Amazon. And also, there's always links in our Pick of the Week. Uh, show lo- if you want to check out the book we talked about, and you didn't, you didn't check it out. You've got like a Comicsology account. You can you can check it out through through the page, the uh, podcast page. So you can check all those things out and help the show go. We do we do appreciate it. We just paid a bunch of bills. Our month our yearly hosting bill just came in, which was a shocker. So uh, we thank everyone who does that because you really do keep the uh, show going. What is this bill? Oh, so uh, <laughs> that, that, that's what happened in my head earlier this week. So. Yeah, really. I had a similar experience, and I went. The patron pick is how much? <laughs> so, so anyway, that's how that's how the show keeps going. We wouldn't do it without you guys. So, thank you very much. Shall we continue? Yes. 
I wanted to, I read Agents of Atlas number two. I had not necessarily planned to continue with it, but I thought I, I'd give it one more shot. Um, I actually, my favorite part of the last one was sort of the, the Jeff Parker part with the sort of other Agents of Atlas. But, I remember you talking about it with Ryan or. Yeah. Yeah, that was you and Ryan. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I believe so. And and uh, this one just was the straight up Craig Pock writing uh, with uh, Nico Leon and Pop Mon, who, an artist I really like who I don't see a lot. Yep. Uh, it basically, uh, there's a guy and he started, he's got a startup and the idea is that um, for $1,000 a month or a day, I don't know, it's a lot of money, you can sort of be part of this, you know, global country that you can sort of pan, like a pan-Asian thing where you can sort of pass between all the mm-hmm. countries and there's no borders. Um, and he's, you know, slimy and despicable. Like X-Men. Yeah. Uh, he's slimy and despicable. I just I think in this one the characterization of the different people came out a lot more. I really enjoyed you know the Amadeus Cho scenes. I think that he's now turned in. Uh, he's been around a long time, and I, I know I haven't read a lot of it, yep. but he was a character who's uh, kind of interesting and cool and fun here. And they, he's been developed for a while. Um, it was just kind of fun. It wasn't like great, um, but I enjoyed reading it, um, and, and I was kind of surprised. You sticking with yeah, it? Yeah, I am for now for for sure until I get bored of it. I I think this is my last issue of Sea of Stars. Oh, wow, Sea of Stars number three. Yeah, I just don't care. It was my favorite of them. <laughs> um, That's fine. We are all of different opinions here. Yeah, right it's now. true. I think, I mean, I think that the problem that the book has right now is that when you read it, it's really beautiful and there's some nice moments, but I don't feel like there's a lot of forward momentum of a plot that's happening, um, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just, it's a pacing thing. Um, I like a lot of what's happening. I liked... But now that we've set up these two things, we have to get the dad and the son moving in some direction right now. Um, I, I just feel like the first three issues were almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And I, this is exactly it's what you're saying, but also in terms of like the character, like, you know, OK, I get it. The son is goofing off in space. The dad's trying to survive. And so it's been the same. It's been the same story for three issues. I'm curious what's going to happen uh, with the the. The kid, like I, I, I want to know what that's about. If he's gonna sort of like, is he infected by another alien, or is this something or other? Um, also, I, I like the idea that apparently at the end here, Jason Aaron, not satisfied with giant galactic sharks, has said, "Yeah, but what about a bigger shark?" Well, you get the megalodons, but I mean, I, the other thing is, I don't hear a lot of Jason Aaron. I hear mostly Dennis Howland, and I don't really, I'm not re- never really been a big fan. I like, of yeah. his, so I'm, a, I'm a big fan I, of his. I, I get the Jason Aaron is co-plotting this and Hallam is. I thought they were scripting the fine. different. I thought one of them took the dad, one of them took it the could, kid. It could be, but I, I I don't know. It just doesn't feel very Jason Aaron to me. Well, yeah, but it could be. In that way, I kind I would of say I it. like the dad part way more than I like the kid part. Mm-hmm. I like the the dad. He's right. Struggle because there's also stakes for the dad when the the kid's basically indestructible. So every time he faces a new challenge, it's like, well, it's not going to hurt him. So, well, yeah, but there's something to, you know, it's like, you know, the, something's coming. I, I, I'm i expecting the worst with that, but that's that's what I like. That's what I, anyway, I see where you're coming from. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not mad at you. That's cool. I, I, I'm, all right, that's too bad, man. So people may not know or may know, it depends on when you came around, is that back when we had our old T-shirts, before the current t- run of T-shirts, we had a bunch of creator-specific shirts. Uh, we had a fear agent shirt that Jerome uh, Pena drew for us. And uh, we had a shirt from Mike Norton called Battle Pug. And we were not credited in the back of this book, Josh. It's helping to create Battle I Pug. Did, I, we, I'm, I was trying not to lead with that. I want to stay on a good but there. 
to be fair, this is Mike's thing. He did all the work. We just had a little blip in that, and I thought. Well, he had a th- all. He thanked all these people at the end, and I was like, "Okay, wait for us," because we helped. It was our shirt that created the concept of Battle Pug, and nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Battle Pug number one from Image Comics. Uh, Mike Norton is the writer and artist. Yep, I guess yes. it doesn't really say what everybody does. Um, well, Alan Pasolacqua does the colors, and Crank does the letters. So, Mike is uh, writing and drawing. I it. can't really tell you the linear timeline on this because I think it was Ron who who worked with him on yes. Battle Pug the T-shirt, but. Um, we went to him to see if he wanted to make a t-shirt with us. I think he came back with the battle pug idea or didn't Ron say put the guy on the battle on the pug or something. something I don't like remember. That. Um, so the idea of this Conan, the barbarian character, which is basically what this is, riding a giant pug through his version of the Hiberia, the Hiberia, Hiberia is, is where this went. Mike took the idea. He loved the, the idea and he went and made a web comic out of it. He won a bunch of awards for and it. Eisner. And he won an Eisner for it, including a Harvey mm-hmm. and a bunch of things. And, so now here it is in comic form, and you know, I enjoyed it, but it was a little heavy-handed. I thought it was—I so thought it was fun. Um, the, like the thing that I'm keeping in mind. So basically, he does a little little Trump Putin bit in here, and yeah, yeah but have you? Like I've read every one of uh, his little Donnie strips, and yeah, I like Mike. I like his. That's the best work he's ever done. It's super funny. It's super incisive. <laughs> Um, it's just a side of him I didn't know existed, and I've always been impressed by that. So if he wants to do political humor in here, you know, and make it big and silly and crazy, I think that he's absolutely earned that right. You know, a lot of people who do that, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're not qualified. He is. Like, he's his, his <laughs> political. And, like, he was so good at it that, like, he's like, I, I got I to gotta walk away. I can't think about this all the time. And I was like, I understand that as well. Um, you know, I, I actually hadn't read uh, most of this stuff in the webcomic that, that had come out before. I, I hadn't read it either. Um, so to me, I was like, I was excited to have it in the form so I could sort of get into it. Because I just, I don't read webcomics, you know. And then the book comes out mm-hmm. and I sort of go, oh, I should read that at some point. And then I don't. Um, so uh, I liked it. I, I had fun with it. I like, I do like the contrast of the fact, you know, Mike's a pug guy. The, that's the whole reason. Like he's got his two pugs, uh, Mo and Ninja, who are both aging um, you got them a little earlier than I got my dog, and I remember when my dog was a puppy talking to him at um at one of the cons and be like, "How do I deal with this?" and and we chatted about. It. I always remember that, and uh, he, you know, he loves those dogs, you know, and that's sort of in here where you've got all this really super serious looking, uh, you know, Conan guy, and then the pug is this ridiculous thing, <laughs> this contrast of that stupid looking face. Yep. Um, so I had fun with it. It's good. I'm gonna keep reading this. Uh, I, I dropped off Yusagi Jimbo. Yeah. I think because it was the colors. I don't like the colors. Yeah, this was the best issue. Um, okay. It, it, I, I really dug this issue. There's Basically, it starts off with what is like this big zombie fight. And I was like, what happened? What am I missing? And then we sort of cut to Usagi uh, and this woman, uh, Lady Mara, on a hill. And she's reading him stories that she wrote. And he just really likes it. And he's like, you're really talented. And, and you know, she, she tells her story. And she's married to this... You know, Samurai, who's kind of an asshole, but now she's going off on a journey. And he's like, you know, let me come and hang out with you. And it's so, like, sweet. There's no underlying, like, they're going to have an affair. There's nothing like that. He just really likes her talent. And he's upset that sort of she doesn't get a chance to do it because of the place and the time that they live. Um, It's very, you know, like a classic sort of Usagi Yojimbo story. Uh, And, you know, I got used to the colors. His cartooning is all still there. I don't think I liked that story in the first three very much 
Um, okay. So this was a little more sort of my speed uh, with that. I, I really dug it, though. Uh, it was it was good. I'm glad I kept reading it. I wanted to mention Superman Up in the Sky, number three. Um, this continues to be terrific. Tom King, Adam Kubert. This features two stories, which I, I love them both. One, The first one was Superman's uh, impotence in the face of this galactic sort of uh, bureaucracy where he's trying to make an intergalactic phone call to Lois. So he's at this place where you make galactic phone calls and it's sort of like the cross from the DMV and a, and a Brazil weird phone. Yeah, and he's just, he's got his number. The movie, the not the country. And he, yeah. They're going to call this number so he can make his phone call. And he just, all his power in the world, he can't do anything about it. He's got to wait there next to a dominator and a guy with three heads. And, um, he spends the entire time cause he's waiting to talk to Lois. He spends the entire time, imagining ways she could be in trouble that he can't help with. And I thought that was really, really strong and powerful and also really funny whenever he had to deal with the bureaucrats. And then um, something happens and he goes off and ends up, I guess, in a wormhole, which shoots him back in time to World War II where Sergeant Rock finds him on the battlefield. And so he has a little World War II adventure. And I have a feeling this is just sort of Tom King doing – this book is like his vessel to just – play around in the dc universe well and, and also and so, you know it's it's not it's not completely unknown that that tom king's aesthetic overlaps quite a bit with ours he's you know sort of the same kind of reader same generation and so when he does this <laughs> i was like basically the sergeant rock i was like fuck yeah <laughs> that's that's my <laughs> yeah. review of that section of this like the one side <laughs> is like suburban existential ennui the second one is yeah. sergeant rock and i was like you got my vote tom <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I love that you know he wakes up with amnesia so they, they give him a uniform and somehow glasses so he's basically Clark Kent in the battlefield and then and then a grenade blows up and he realizes he's indestructible and gets his memories back and, and, and also helps you can't you can't underestimate the the, the fact that uh it's Andy Kubert drawing Sergeant Rock you know yeah. his dad drew his father those war comics you know and and I yeah. was I was like that that means that's there's no way that doesn't mean something to that artist and I think that that mm-hmm. that came through in in the work um, it was good. A bunch of funny book malarkey. <laughs> I love that issue. I love this is a great issue. So those are the books we're going to talk about. Um, but that's also the patron pick. Patreon.com slash fanboys where every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown uh, no matter what level you give. And this week, the overwhelming favorite was Spawn 300 from Image Comics. And um, this was a long issue. It was... 70 plus pages on the digital reader. Um, and I, before I, Josh, I'll, I'm, you I'm sure you have very strong opinions. I do. I did think this was interesting to read because when, you know, when image launched and spawn came out, I was 14 and in the perfect demo for, for these comics. I loved spawn. Yeah, That was my question. Like you were, so you were definitely reading spawn. Like how long did you stick with it? Longer than I remember. I remember. I remember at some point going back and finding way more Spawn comics than I remember than I thought. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I was. I read all of them. I was. I Youngblood, Spawn, Savage Dragon, Wildcats. Like, would you, you know, say Shadowhawk. you got? I was in a hundred issues. No, 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 no. But seven. A couple of years. <laughs> a couple of years for uh-huh. sure. Um, and I, I still think those beginning Spawn issues were really fun and interesting and good. And I've always been a fan of McFarlane's. He's got wonky anatomy. He's got other wonkiness to his art, but there's something sort of pure about it. He's self-taught, you know. 
Um, he's not necessarily technically <laughs> correct, but he's a got a lot of... At the end, and it's great to read it in his voice, which I actually can't do him, so that's not going to be this. Yeah. But he basically like says something like, you know, when I was 16, I decided to make this my career, so I taught myself how to draw. <laughs> At the age of 16, <laughs> I decided to train myself and learn the style of comic book drawing, pursue it as a career. <laughs> yeah. I did this myself. What are you going to do? And so I, I actually... Like, I didn't think this was good because <laughs> um, it was a culmination of 300 issues and and I haven't been reading them. So I didn't I didn't really follow a lot of it, but um, I actually enjoyed reading it in a perverse way. And I thought the actually the opening with story, little vignette about the two kids and the disaffected teens mm. who, and you think they've murdered their family, but it's actually this little girl. I thought that was a really strong opening. Um Actually, well, this is interesting. This is good. And then, then it sort of very quickly went off into the deep end of the spawn pool. What did that have to uh, pool. do with anything, though? I don't know. We, we have been reading it. I don't know if it's it's going forward or what. But mm-hmm. um, like we're we're just dipping in and out. So yeah. it could, we we just we have no, we have no context. Um, which is which is by the me, way, it's the right choice. Like this is not the time to try to bring in new readers. And I I reckon right. I don't consider that a fault of this. And the thing was, is it featured a bunch of really t- talented, terrific artists, and including one whose artwork I never really get to see. So it was interesting to read. Scott Snyder wrote one of the chapters. There was there was four chapters. Uh, McFarland drew the chapter. Scott drew. It was really short. Kind of disappointing. I was hoping he would draw more mm-hmm. Spawn, as opposed to being very shadowy and mostly about this other character. And uh, you know, Capullo drew a lot of it, most of it. J. Scott Campbell drew a chapter. Sean, Jason Sean Alexander, who did a heralded run on, was it Hellspawn? Did a chapter. Maybe. I think so. And then, then Jerome Pena drew a bunch of stairs at the end. Uh, <laughs> like a bunch of panels of staircases. Um, but, I, you know, I didn't, I did not hate reading it. I kind of, in a weird way, enjoyed it to, as, a, as sort of a look back at this book I really liked as a kid, but I was a teenager. But I didn't also enjoy it because I didn't really understand what was going on. Uh, so I missed all of this. Uh, I was out right before it happened for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, 13 or, uh, and I was a giant, I'm sorry, this, like, I, I feel like, the, like you have to categorize this to talk about a book like this. Todd McFarlane was the first artist I ever noticed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like where I went, oh, this guy. And I, and for years I didn't like Eric Larson because he was the guy who followed sure. uh, McFarlane on and Amazing Spider-Man. his style Spider-Man. was really different. Yeah, but it, to me, it always felt like he was aping it because he was also, you know, wonky, you know, anatomy and sort of strange. It, and that was, again, that's my 12-year-old perception of it, which was not informed and not, not good. But, it, like, I sort of just stuck with that. So it took me years to be mm-hmm. able to appreciate Eric Larson because I was like, I wanted more Todd McFarlane on there. Um and I read this, and I, 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 I had, I definitely was like, I don't know what I'm reading, and so it made it very hard for me to form a valuable opinion on it. So I only had the craft to deal with. So I had, a, I had a couple of thoughts. Um, one, like the style, like it is without joy or humor or whimsy of any kind. So it's just dark, mm-hmm. dark, 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 and I. I don't respond to that at all. Like it bores me to tears and I don't know the point of it. I know that there's people who like that and that's their thing. And you know, people who like death metal doesn't mean they're all depressed. 
fine, but I don't connect with it at all. Um, I was kind of excited to see some of the artists involved, you know, like I was like, oh, Jerome Pena, and you're right, it was some stairs, and I didn't know what the story was, so it looked nice. Well, it, it, at least it, at least it could have been an interesting drawing, like you know, I don't know any of these stories, mm-hmm. but Opinion's Opinion's three pages were like somebody walking up a stair, a long staircase, and it's just like okay, mm-hmm. could have got anybody, anybody do you that know, really, uh, and then. And then the other, like, there's a stylistic thing to it where, like, Todd McFarlane's not a very good writer. It, like, he might have taught himself to do what, but it, to me, it, it, it struck me as, like, a kid who was writing a story who thought it was a great, and it wasn't very good, but everyone's like, you'll get better. But Todd McFarlane's old now. He's not going to get better. This is what he is. And then finally, my other thought, like, like, there's a thing in here where this is driving me crazy. The, the narration panels were telling me what was happening on the page. And I was like, why are you doing this? It's a comic book. It's the one place you don't need to add narration. Spawn. Well, that's the old style. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> it's like we're better than that now. And I again, it's an aesthetic that people are used to and they like. And it's what he's been doing for a billion years now. And that's fine. But then my other thing is that Todd McFarlane was my favorite thing when I found him. And I thought, this doesn't look like anything, and it is super original, and it is exciting, and it is vibrant. And then he proceeded to do nothing other than that forever. He found Spawn, and that's all that he does now. And I get it, like, it's hard to draw him on, but he barely draws it. And when he does, it's all the same. There's no creative growth that has happened in any of this that I am aware of. That's an important clause. Well, I don't think he draws it at all. He inks it sometimes. Right, yeah, I know, but like... Reg- he's a regular inker on it, but he doesn't draw right, it. Right, so what I'm saying is like, he went and he did this thing that made a real impact in comic book art. I think not just, you know, for readers, but I think it influenced other people. And then he never took it anywhere. And I find that to be so disappointing. You know, it's like, he, he found his lane, he's like, there, I did that thing. And then he's coasting on it since then. Um, and it's funny because for him, because I don't think it's very good... I find that disappointing, whereas Eric Larson, and granted, I'm not reading either of these books, I feel like Eric Larson in Savage Dragon is just doing whatever the hell he wants, because the thing is this, we've had to read for these patron picks, we've had to read like a Savage Dragon thing or something, whatever, or any of these sort of long, single creator, more or less, you know, controlled things, you go back in, and you go, wow, what the hell's going on in here? Like, when we read Savage Dragon, like, it was all of these other characters and things and all this stuff had happened and he'd been a cop and he'd done whatever. And I read Spawn and I was like, this is exactly the same as Spawn has always been. Like, it was no different. It was exactly mm-hmm. the same tone, exactly the same dialogue. I, I, like, I, I didn't feel like I had missed 300 issues. I felt like I had missed two. You know, and, <laughs> and that nothing had changed over, what? I mean, how long is this now? 20, almost 30 years? It's been a long time. Let's not, let's not do that. Let's do no, now. no, but what I'm saying is like, there's been no creative growth in this at all. It's just yeah. nostalgia and 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 momentum, and I found it's I find that so uninteresting, especially coming from somebody that had meant so much to me at a, such a crucial moment. If not for Todd McFarlane, would I be here talking to you and you know the thousands of people who who come to listen to us? I don't know, and so I find that to be like, you know, it's it's just kind of a bummer, and that's how I felt reading it. Yeah, I mean, I if I hadn't read and liked Spawn as a fourteen-year-old, I probably I would probably have a very harsh opinion on this. But you know, since I did, so yeah, I, could, I remember being a kid and thinking the guy with the giant axe was awesome. Yeah. You know, I remember that. I wouldn't think that now, 
but well, it's like the guy. It's like it's like the guy who's at the party too long. You know, like uh, you know, it, it's it's an extension, but you know, well, yes, and I mean, yes, and no. Clearly, there's an audience for this. I know, you know? but like, but the, but okay, just like there's still an audience for Venom for some godforsaken reason. Know. There's an audience for and, for, and, for this and, sort and, uh, of you see, hardcore, you know, and you see stuff. a Venom shirt in public, and it's a red flag every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, no, like, like, you know, that's fine. Think of like Matthew McConaughey in um, Dazed and Confused, like. He's still there hanging. And there's always going to be a couple of the teenagers like, fuck, yeah, we're hanging out with this guy. But, you know, 10 years later, is he still hanging out with those people? That's this. I think. Uh, I don't begrudge him for that. Because there's an audience for it. And it's made him a lot of money doing it. So, and, I mean, and that is what he cares about. And that is not wrong, but it is not inspiring and it is not fun. And, and, you know, like, he talks about money. He makes characters. He makes action figures that he can sell. He buys baseballs. He does whatever. Like, that's what he's interested in. You know, like, what's the big hit? What's the, you know, like, it's not It's not art, though. It's product. I could go on. I, no. I You know, and it, it's totally uh, high-minded <laughs> bullshit stuff. I, I would argue that most of the, what we read every week is, is product, not art. I know that. But, but, uh, but the thing that gets me excited and the thing that we get excited about is when somebody takes that form. and Because it is all commerce, totally. But within that, there are sparks and there are bits where you go, oh, that's really cool. We, we've been talking about that. We were talking about how Bendis, Bendis could coast doing the same thing forever. And he didn't. You know, and he does mm-hmm. a weird book like Pearl or the, what was the one called? Where, with um, the comic book artist who, who becomes a spy. Um, that's that's that was the title of it. Yeah, the comic book artist who becomes a spy and gets beat up by Eastside Ribic. <laughs> it's a bad title, <laughs> but but like that that's that's a risk. Like he's like I've you know he has to create, he has to do something, he has to draw things. It's funny you mentioned it's funny you mentioned Bendis because he he one of his things that blew him up was doing Hellspot. I know, and that was a great that was good because he's super talented. Or somebody like Scotty. Yeah. Okay, take Scotty Young for example, who is super influenced by Todd McFarlane. He could make a career drawing Baby Avengers for the rest of his life. But every day I mm-hmm. see him put up a sketch of something that he does because he loves to draw and he loves to create. Mm-hmm. Todd McFarlane doesn't do that. He never has. He found a thing right. that he could do and he does that thing. And I it, like it's it. I don't know if it feels like a, a I'm being too hard on him because he's made completely valid choices. But it feels like a waste of talent to me in a certain way. But but that's me well, being selfish. I, well, I think what you're hearing is is Josh's hero. Is being disappointed by your hero. Mm. Who was your hero at one point in your Maybe. life? Maybe, yeah, that's possible. That's that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. You're uh, you're Ben Siever. Mike <laughs> Siever. Ben. Who was the one? It was, was it ben, ben? Yeah. No. Yeah. So there you go. No, Ben's the dad. No, Ben was the kid. Or was he the, the younger brother? Jeremy something. Then Mike well, was the you're... Mike was the the older brother who's now. Kirk, and, Kirk Cameron, uh, and then yeah. Jason Seaver was the dad. Maggie Seaver was That's, the mom, and I don't remember the sister's right. name. It wasn't Mike? No, it was Ben. Whatever. Mike, Mikey. Receiver. Mikey's best friend was Boner. Pat- <laughs> Patreon.com <laughs> slash iFanboy. If that's... Uh, if you remember that reference, let us know. Um, it's that's so you funny because it uh, seems like such a big make, deal. I know exactly what we were talking about. Haven't thought about it in <laughs> at least 30 years. And I know exactly what you meant. And it's forever ago. <laughs> you can vote for uh, to add books to run down to patreon.com slash fanboy. And thanks to all who do that. Also, if you go there and join up at the $5 or higher level, you get your own dumb superpower like these fine four gentlemen that we're about to bestow. Uh, Josh, you start. So I had a I had I had a I had a couple that I wrote down ahead of time. 
and mm-hmm. and they both dovetailed in a way with the name I got. And so I okay. want to point out that this is not planned. Sure. But Joseph M. Irwin. <laughs> okay. I can't get it out. Dances exactly like Bill Irwin or Agent Kirby from My Blue Heaven every time he hears Mamba. <laughs> Uncontrollably? Uncontrollably until the Mambo is, is concluded. And no, I did not know he was going to have that name until after I wrote the thing down. It's a great, it's a great dance. <laughs> By it a is, great actor in a great it movie. Is, it is joyful. It is, he's completely subsumed by it. He, he must dance. He must mambo. Unselfconscious yep. Dan- joy. Dance like no one's watching. We, he is. We are all watching and we only feel his joy. And, and that's, what, that's what happens to Joseph as well when, when he's Now, you mambo. don't want to be in an elevator with Joseph when someone's ringtone has mambo music. And he just starts to start going. I think it depends, the, I think it depends the, on the kind of day you're having. <laughs> well, it's a full elevator. Uh-huh. Suddenly, there's elbows and faces and knees. And mm-hmm. Bryce Bridges, um, much like Mary Poppins, but not exactly like Mary Poppins, Bryce Bridges has a bag. And in that bag, he can pull out the thing that is needed the most at any given moment. But only one thing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't can't be pulling out all the stuff that Mary Poppins is pulling out. But he can pull the one thing that is needed at any given moment the most. A bag of holding. Is that like for instance, I if he was here, be, he would be like, "Hey, I got Claritin for you." Mm-hmm. You know, he he is the one thing that's needed the most that, at that moment. Is Claritin your 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 allergen of choice? Yes, that's my sort of daily. The twenty four hour, yeah. I use that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like Claritin D is the good stuff. Yeah, I said, oh, don't you have to get that from the pharmacy? No, you didn't. You used to. You didn't. You used to have to, but now you don't. I don't think. But you have to get it from behind the counter because of the D. <laughs> yeah. So, um, whatever is needed, and sometimes you think you know it's needed, but his his bag knows what's actually needed the most at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Like you think, actually, Bryce, I could use like a million bucks more than the Clarendon, but the bag knows I actually need the the breed to breathe more. Okay. Andrew Funk. And I thought of moving the Bill Irwin power to him because Funk, but I decided to stick with my initial instinct. Uh, Andrew Funk has rocket nostrils. They produce 52,000 pounds of thrust. <laughs> and so if he wants to lift off, he could. Um, you know, he's got to be careful blowing his nose. He's got like a rocket jetpack for nose. Yeah. It's not. It's, I assume his. I, it's more than a red stone. I assume rocket. the cartilage of his nose can handle the. His, his body. The thrust. His body can handle the strain of what it puts out. He's not being burned by it or anything like that. But, um, you know, and you you want to be careful because, you know, if you don't have the suit on, you go suborbital. You have a problem. You know. Right. But how does he fly with the suit on? Got, you gotta have you gotta have enormous controls. He, he can't. No, but he can't protect his breathing in space if he's also the nose is also shooting out the thrust well it it isn't necessarily that he'd have to go into orbit he could he could do it in sort of an intercontinental ballistic sort of way or he could shut the thrust off before entering space and then Mm -hmm. cover it up and use his momentum to carry yeah yeah then you then you could just use like a couple of little compressed air cans (laughs) (laughs) julian buskila i think that's right are close enough. Once a year, only once a year, and only for one hour at a time, Julian can conjure up Maximus Decimus Meridius. 
The problem is he ha- every time he appears, he does the whole speech. So you're already you've, you've burned a good fortune of the hour, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I, I know the speech, Maximus. <laughs> Remember, um, not for anything. Help help you move, beat up a guy down the street. You know, lead your army. Well, any of the things you need him to do, but only for one hour, you got him for a, one once a year. That's nice. That's good. I think that works. Father to a yeah. murdered son. Husband to a northern <laughs> murdered wife, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legion, and loyal servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. And you go, good to see you, Maximus. <laughs> He's just your Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Julian. <coughs> so there you go. Patreon.com slash IFAM. That's where you can uh, go get, get your own superpower. And Josh, you're the producer of this week's show, so you decide if we do this email or not. You know what? I'm gonna. Oh, he's got. He's got a last. He's just got a last. What's your favorite cookie? Do we do we want to do we want to talk about it? Or well, we want to just a, real quickly. Or not? James Reardon from the UK asked a much longer and smarter question, but the end is P.S. was I want more uh, food related chats. Best meatball recipes. I don't like meatballs. Um, and, and then favorite cookies. So what's your favorite cookie, Connor? Why don't you like meatballs? I don't like when you add things to the hamburger because it ruins the texture to it. It makes it mushy to me. And then it makes it, it doesn't have hmm. the mouthfeel of like uh, like beef or like steak or like something like that. It just makes it mushy and I don't like that. I don't have a recipe and never tried to make them, but I mean, I love a good meatball. I wish I did. Uh, my favorite cookie. I wish I did. They're, they're, they're very... They're attractive as a sort of food item. Like, you, you know, you throw them in the sauce and it makes the sauce good. And you, know, you There's a great uh, beef and veal meatball at the Italian place near my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite cookie is... Like, what's your... I mean, I'm... Your er cookie. Like, if you were... And you can be specific because there's... Well, I mean, look, I, 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 I'm a chocolate chip guy. But when I think about... Like the cookie that I've loved the most over my my lifetime. That's what I'm talking about. It's the um, Entenmann's chocolate chip cookie, the little ones. Really? Yeah. I like you know, like if you see like a like a bakery cookie, like like and it's kind of big and thick and it's it's a little chewy, but like with the chunks in it, like the chocolate chip chunks, but that but peanut butter, peanut butter chocolate chip cookie, but like with a like the size of like a big hamburger patty, kind of thick. Like that. That's the best cookie. There was a place, there was a candy store here, and they would have them, and it was a problem because they were like 600 calories a piece. And then they stopped yeah. carrying them because nobody but me was buying them. And then they and then they <laughs> went out of business. So, like, they don't exist anymore. That's sad. Let's wrap it up. Uh, if you would like – he had a much better question that we're not getting to, but I also like talking about cookies. And he said he missed food chats, so I gave you what you really asked for. But you know what I'm talking about, the little Intamin's cookies? I know exactly what you're talking that about. That box? Yeah, yeah. I would I – would, you had the, I would destroy a whole You had the of option of, of milk chocolate or dark chocolate in those, I think. And I yeah. would go dark. Uh, my wife would go milk. This has been a life – this has been a long marriage, long uh, disagreement on our parts. Um, oh, man. I love cookies. I used to be able to eat those. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's how you can get an email on the show when we haven't run long. Which we do on a regular basis. There's a lot of books this week. Um, uh, I told you I couldn't tell you about the Toxplode that was supposed to be out last month. Well, I can because last night uh, I had a chat with Brad Meltzer, um, who Ooh. you may remember uh, from his run. Actually, not a lot of comics, to be honest. You know, run on Green Arrow, Identity Crisis, run on Justice League. And uh, he did a Buffy. I did a, uh, an arc of Buffy. 
and uh, and he's done a bunch of like yes. you know like uh, anniversary issue yeah. stories or like he's but, but not a lot of like runs. Yeah, exactly. And I was kind of surprised. And it was over a really sort of short period of time. Now, also, he's a very successful author. You know, yeah. uh, he's hugely successful novelist. Yeah, and then uh, and then a very successful you know nineteen of those books, the I Am series with Chris Eliopoulos, who is our pal. Um, and then on top of that, he's on TV shows. As himself, he heals TV shows. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's so. it's. Uh, so we, suffice to say, I did not have time to talk about all of those things. Um, but we did talk about a lot of things, uh, and it was fun. And that will be out later this week as you listen to this, uh, to coincide with the release of his two new books. I am Walt Disney, and I am Marie Curie. That's cool. Yes, it was cool. Um, there will be a bookplode. Um, later this month at some point that Connor and I are going to have to A, read the book for and B, talk about. Um, we're doing Sleeper yep. Book One, um, the the sort of first collaboration between Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And we're going to see if it held up because we loved it a lot back then. That's one of your – you used to say one of your all-time favorite comics. Yep. We'll find that if it still is, sure. probably towards the end of the month. It's a 400-page-plus book. It's got to fit that in somewhere. Um, so it'll be coming. You can look for that at the end of the month. Um, so I guess the – When's the talk load going to come out? Next week. We can talk about that off air. Okay. We'll talk about that off air. No, no meetings on – no public meetings. Um, next week is episode 700. If you're doing the math, you, you, you realize that already. We're going to be recording it live. We're live streaming it so you can come watch it. Everyone can come watch it. The recording is going to happen this coming Friday, September 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And it goes for hours. So if you – you don't have to come be, right, be there right from the beginning. If, uh, you, can, you can come hop in. Uh, there'll be a link on the website to where it is. I think that's how we'll do it, and so you'll be able to find that. Plus, it'll be on our social media. But uh, you come, come watch us, uh, Josh and Ryan Haupt and I, as we devolve over the course of hours, reading your emails and answering them. And if you want to get your email on the show, you can send your emails by Friday, September 13th at noon Pacific with the number 700 in the subject line if you want to get, try to get your email on the show. But as I said last week, the earlier the better because we start to, we, in the beginning we, we start going in order, then we start skipping. Yep. Because we have we can't go for ten hours, so it's it's too late. To, it's too late to give them that that advice now. Well, we've gotten very many emails, but you know, still, the earlier the better. It's, you're getting it in Mondays, but better than getting it in Friday. Fair enough. Is what I'm saying. So, um, if you want to get the show, seven hundred in the subject line by Friday, September thirteenth at noon. And you know, we've had a lot of good emails. We've had some emails that we're definitely not going to answer. We've had some emails we've never been asked questions, never been asked before. Some we've been asked before. That's exciting. So you know, a wide variety. Not a lot of like wacky, goofy, silly ones. This isn't this isn't ask us anything scenario. We won't necessarily answer everything, but we can ask us anything. So if you ever wanted to ask us a question, uh, you have this is your chance. So head over to iFanboy. There'll be a post for that on Friday. You can check that out there. But in the meantime. You can go there. You can find all of our podcasts, our Pick of the Week show, our special editions, our books loads, our talks loads, our movie shows, as well as hey, all the all the content from thirteen years of making content was all still on the website fanboy.com. You can go back and read all that stuff. Uh, think, find out what we thought about things 12, 12 years ago, thirteen years ago. If you if you feel like it, I don't know why you would, but if you do, mm-hmm. uh, also to find out what the Pick of the Week is before we we do the show, you can go to Facebook.com/ifanboy, like us there, or follow us at, at ifanboy on Twitter or at ifanboy comics on Instagram. Where in addition to finding out what the pick is, we do the best of the week panels feature and have a jolly good time there. And individually, we are at CS Kilpatrick on Instagram and at J Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram. Not so much. Are you still on Twitter break? I I, I checked it once a week or so, but sort of not there now. Sure, sure, sure. 
it turns out uh, when you go, no one cares. Um, <laughs> uh, we we talked about before how to support the show, uh, Patreon. You know, really give us money. Um, but if, you know, there's a lesser way to help. Uh, there's a thing you can do. If you like the show, you can write a review uh, on Apple Podcasts, which is really the place where those get aggregated, and that affects the algorithm and all the blah, blah, blah. Um, or you can do the, uh, I like this show. You should listen to it, to people who, uh, who, who like things, like you think that you might like to. So tell others about it directly is what I'm getting at. So that doesn't mean, by the way, going into your comic shop and taking an iPhone and starting playing it on speaker without anybody asking. I don't want to intrude their lives like that. Listen, I appreciate, you know, your verve, your spirit, but that's not the way to go. But you can say, hey, you know what? This was a really interesting conversation. I heard about this. Um, This guy hates Todd McFarlane now. And then and then they'll (laughs) send me letters and it'll be a whole thing. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to stop. This show got long. This, I, it'll be, I'm always, I'll be interested to see what happens, but I can't imagine that anybody who's like a McFarlane super fan would still be listening at this point and have anything to agree with me about. But maybe I'm surprised. We'll find out, won't we? I would, I would love to hear, you know, like, so like, here's why I like this, you know, and I'd be like, okay, you know, that, that that's valid. I, I don't understand what it would be, but maybe it exists. Mm-hmm. I understand your point of view on it. You know, like, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I validated you. Right, well, that's the you. show. Let's end this now because we are looking at a long one next week. So until then, I'm, I'm Josh. Thanks so much, everyone. Now.